Konasti, how are you? Welcome to the Candler Tales podcast. My name is Sorica and I'm sitting down with my brother live via satellite. My name is Aaron. Uh, welcome to the Candler Tales podcast. We are chatting about Rest the beautiful bastard that he was. And uh, we'll be analyzing, discussing, in, in, you know, talking with that guy and that last podcast episode that you may or may not have listened to. If you haven't listened to it, well, maybe go back and listen to it. If you're one of the odd folk, and I'm not calling you odd, that's, that's mean. If you're one of the folk who likes to listen to the Paul Shaw chats before the story, I've heard this is a thing. People have messaged in saying, I like to listen to the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I got a message. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's an interesting thing. So anyway, if whichever way you're listening to it, welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, this podcast is supported by Patreon supporters. Uh, if you want to be one of those people who help us do the thing, you can go to patreon.com forward slash candle tales and throw us a few bob. Even if you've just a handful of people throw us a few bob, it means we might someday be able to pay all the producers that work on this show. And you hey, do this for a living? I don't know, maybe bribing people in random bits of equipment. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what we've done. Our business model at the moment. Have a new laptop. Yeah. Hire. There you go. Thanks yeah. for all of that amazing work. And um, I don't know, maybe one day we'll be able to pay ourselves or get Jesus, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just talk about the stories. That's just exactly having a laugh thing. there now. Anyway, having yes. a laugh. Um, no, look, we love this and we, uh, we're we very happy as well. Uh, we forgot to mention this in the last post-show discussion, but we, we finished up our third ever uh, storytelling uh, course. And like, I, you know what? Every now and again, you have to look back and I encourage you to do this. It's a very positive thing. Look back on your year to date. Write down a couple of accomplishments. Tell me what you were you're grateful for tell yourself what you you know made you laugh what what you accomplished and accomplishments can be small or minimal and what delighted you it's the glad practice you know it's it can be a daily thing can be a six monthly thing but it's a fucking handy thing it's a handy thing to do Uh, and i think i was looking back recently after a minor bit of a conniption in may i kind of was like nothing's happening what's going on oh my god i can't do anything and then i went you know Okay, let's just have a look back at the stuff we've done. And, we, and we're, we're quite happy uh, to have started the storytelling course for the first time in January and then do one, well, two more courses. Uh, they're six-week courses and we loved it. And like we, we got such good feedback. We've really enjoyed meeting a whole host of storytellers. We'll hopefully be doing more open mics in real live people, person, places uh, where we get to be in the same place uh, physically. So maybe yeah. that. But maybe doing, not. Actually, that's been a really nice thing that I think I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but like from the start with the first group of storytellers that we took through the course, we we set up a, a Zoom open mic night. So basically everybody mm-hmm. who's been on the course can come and meet up again and tell stories again and share stories again. And we don't perform at these, we just host them and you know, just chill out and listen to listen to people tell us Irish mythology. And it's really nice. And really nice. It's so lovely. Beautiful stories and some beautiful takes on stories, and we had some amazing ones last night. Um, and like they're just, it's it's a delightful thing. Um, because this has kind of been a thing with Candlelit Tales is that you know we don't we don't want to set ourselves up as being the experts or the storytellers or make it seem like you have to do you don't have to do a course you don't even have to do our course, but we do want to like inspire people to or encourage people to 
to tell stories, to tell the stories that are important to you. These are the oh, stories no, that are important Oh no, fucking inspire. Inspire is the uh, fire that lights it. Like we get inspired <laughs> from people being inspired from these fucking stories. That, like I get so inspired by people feeding back telling me what they thought about a story, what it, how it resonated. That inspires me to tell a different story a different way. It inspires me to see people take what we had, our, our kind of premise and our way and our approach and flipping it and coming up with something amazing and clever and cunning. And it inspires me passing on what I know about performance and the skills that I've accumulated onto people who just grow massively. And it's just been a joy and it's, it's definitely been inspiring and motivating and kind of good for the heart and good for the soul and so we've had a joyous pre-courses and we're going to take a break for the summer because well lots of reasons um there's a lot going on you know there's a lot going on i won't even be in the same country and also Um, i mean things are opening back up and i think most people are getting a little bit of zoom fatigue so we are we are putting that all on hiatus for a while but we are not putting it away forever so if it sounds mm-hmm. like something that any of you are like, oh, shit, I missed it, um, please drop us a line and get in touch because we already have a little bit of a waiting list for the next course of people who've expressed interest. And we, Definitely. We will There's a rate of Americans will like, add to that and we will very happily continue doing this. Uh, a bit yeah. like a bit like we said at the start, a bit like our storytelling nights. We did it. We did it for five weeks and we said we'll mm-hmm. keep doing it as long as people keep listening. And it's been... Hey six and a half years and people are still listening <laughs> so we're gonna keep doing it Class. so we'll do the same with the storytelling course as long as people are actually going oh hey i'd like to do that and we get enough numbers sure. we'll keep doing it um that's that's kind sure. of that's how we have grown this business i did air <laughs> this something she did air quotes on a podcast i keep on telling her unless you're watching the youtube video on youtube and you've subscribed you've hit the little tick icon to be notified for when the videos go up then you're not going to see circa's amazing hand gestures we might have to like do some more interesting videos for the youtube channel but i I think it's great it's fine Um, and i both have very busy faces It's true. Um, <laughs> There's a lot going on at a given moment. Aaron <laughs> is currently making his busiest face. Um, this man who learned okay, how to do caterpillar dances with eyebrows when he was about twelve years old. Like we both, we both do a lot with our faces. So, like you know, uh, if it's you... because of the mirror in the kitchen. It's because of the mirror in the kitchen. It's the <laughs> the, the, the evil. Going. It's not evil. Mirror. It's a normal that, mirror. It's it is. It, it has, has a magic no evil over our mother has, who walks past it multiple it, times a day and only stops when she has to comb her hair. She's a hex. A normal person. She's a hex on it. She put the hex on it. I'm pretty sure it was it was her hexed it. us to be vain. Yeah, I tell you, she's not all not all rosy, not all you know cream and crackers. Anyway, cover um, your face with the post-it note so that we can do the podcast, Aaron. <laughs> Honestly, that's mean, the main biggest problem. Zoom with the post-it note so that we can stop winking at yourself when you do the podcast. <laughs> I'm not. I can't actually see my face because you know, I did done that already. Oh, yeah, I blocked right, it out with did, the camera. Ah, looks uh, at that's, you. That's why we're able to do the um, I'm. I'm just concerned about thing? light at the moment. It's. It's not good, and it's fading fast. So Don't worry. Get on with this yeah. because some people might actually watch this on YouTube and. We would like them to subscribe. 
And in fairness, if you're listening to this podcast, this has been a rambly introduction. Um, apologies, but we are about to talk about Bress, the previous episode. I mean, I love this story because he is an unapologetic arsehole from basically the start. But I will, before I jump into Bress, before I, before I jump into Bress now, before we do, like we have to call and salute and just praise the, the, the our ancestors for writing down the greatest chat up line of all time. It's the greatest chat up line of all time. And if you haven't That's tried right. it, go out there now and try it. Things things are opening up now and go on out there and chat up an old an old Colleen, Colleen Bond, go up to her and say, Oh yeah, it is a fine day for love making, isn't it? It's Pride Month. <laughs> it's Pride Month. Go out and chat up yeah. everybody you fancy. Um, like, that's right actually June, sorry it's pride like this is the chat up line I encourage as many this people is... as possible who are into anybody of any colour yeah. of the rainbow to try out it's a fine day for lovemaking because it's a great life and it's going to be it's a great life and people I, have been cooped up for a long time so I'm pretty sure you know be safe you know basically time is a a good time to be, be love making. I mean, like if you haven't any time, yeah, great. Now let's go. Um, <laughs> so you know, use it. I hope you use it. I hope it's successful. Uh, you know, it, there's there there's a thing about um, you know uh, resonance with with words with vowel sounds. Om, you know, it's the sound of the universe. Yeah, many yeah. people have said it, so you get yes, the the same energy of. Um, and and this is like this line is although it is a translation, it still links in to the universal kind of power that is behind it, and how many people have said it, <laughs> and it's it's really important. I won't. I mean, I'm just saying, it's a great. I want to bring it back. I want to bring it back. Okay, um, and I encourage you to bring it back. That's all I'm saying. From wherever it's been, from wherever it's been. Try it out uh, in a respectful um, manner. Like if if it's no, like it's it's still no. Walk away, and that's all I say. Um, obviously, just just obviously click should it go without there. saying that um, it actually doesn't because the world is a nightmare. So we're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it should, <laughs> but it can't. Unfortunately, yeah. It turns yeah, out it you have to say everything. Just have to put everything yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. Dread. Anyway, try out. It's fine. Dreadful. Um. So um, now Bress is born and he's a I have to say something about Bress, Aaron, because I thought for a long time, I did, I really did think for a long time that my general appreciation for the villains of Irish mythology kind of came from a place of like a lot of them were women. And I really like, I just love a bitch. I just love an unapologetic bitch. But I realized when I was telling the Bress story, they're like, Oh no. <laughs> I think I just love an ass. I think I just love <laughs> I just I cause like there's a part of me that's like everyone has one. I get it. I get it. I get it. People suck, man. You know? And if you're just like, uh everybody, please. I'm too pretty and important to deal with your bullshit. I there is a part of me that's just like this is this is why you're not a good ruler. This is why you're you you're you're a, a valiant a valiant part of any great brilliant team. You're a constructive member of of but in charge you'd run a muck like you couldn't be leaving I mean, you in charge. 
I wouldn't. I'd leave you all in a shed with a cracker and a glass of water and you just could take care of yourselves. I'd be terrible. I wouldn't run them off. I'd fucking run away. Um, I know, yeah. Like I also so, the, I, one of one of the one of the versions of this that was kind of in my head. I didn't use it, but I will mention it because, as we said, it is Pride Month. Um, of course, the version of it that Gordon from our storytelling force told that the reason that Bress mm. was completely neglectful of his kingship was that was because he he got into a relationship with Shreng, who, of course, that's barely subtext, but that you know, it, it was it but was Shreng. It, it, it was taking up all his time and attention and that's why he was such a and you know what king. and i buy it it was one of those it was one of those things in the making of the two the dan at the first battle of 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 the moitura um episode we we did it kind of live over zoom and it was like it was quite i guess you can kind of probably tell it's almost like it's it's, it's less uh scripted than usual um not that we tend to overly script these podcasts but but it was the over and back We'd learned to kind of just decide to do it together. And as a result, mm-hmm. things were forgotten, right? And as a result, like, and what came out was perfect. Look, or, you know, it oh, was lovely and, and really, really good work. To any of the other ones that we've recorded um, properly. Yeah, trying to do over backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it just, it loses a bit of the energy. However, one of the things I really wanted to tie up was Shreng and Bress meet in the battlefield and they tell each other that they, and I, I forgot it because they tell each other, I'll, I'm, I have it in for your king. I'll deal him nine nine blows, but I will not fight you. And they both say to each other, they meet before the battle. And the subtext is so loud and clear. And hey, Pride Month, like, come on. There's a great story of two lovers from opposite sides of an army that clearly fall for each other, Mm -hmm. clearly are just besotted with the difference of of their physicality the one's yep. big and, and strong one's agile and slender and lean and that's that's a that, that's a definitely a thing and like <laughs> they then way. they just won't <laughs> a, <bear and twin. laughs> a top and a bottom um <laughs> you know that. That, that doesn't necessarily follow come on man <laughs> I mean, he opened the door to something crude. I'm, I'm, not just, gonna, I'm, not gonna... I'm just saying, it's a tale as old as time. And then one of them turns out to be an absolutely terrible king and a complete prick. Which, but that's like not so. It's interesting. A tale as I, old as time, but it is interesting. It isn't, but I, I didn't actually think. Again, it comes, it comes across that you did kind of empathize with him because he, he you don't play him out as a straight villain you know it's it's like he was brilliant at everything and it's that kind of what's that halo um it's, effect see, that people have thing. i i think breast like is it is it is it is called the halo effect and it is the reason that people like people assume that if someone is good at something that they're like a good person it's why we and it's also kind of, it's kind of why we also give such a big pass to like a lot of um great artists because it's like oh he's a genius the man is a genius and therefore if he's like real creepy with very young girls then that's probably fine because he's a great director um you know there's a lot of that stuff in the culture as well with the halo effect but it, it basically is a getting away with people tough. who are good at a thing at one thing are good are good um, and it, mm. it also, you know, the way that we treat people who are who are physically attractive is also like a huge bias in favor of good looking people. And it's not just in the entertainment industry. It's like kind of everywhere. Um, we are sure. we treat people who are better looking get treated better. 
And this breast is kind of the ultimate example of this. And I think the thing with breasts is that like, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe in human evil. Right. I just, right. I don't, I don't, I'm yeah. not interested in it as a storyteller. If you tell me this character is evil, I'm like, okay, cool. But there's a part of this where what they're doing makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And like there are evil influences and there are evils, there are evil deeds, but a person is not evil. And that's just kind of my, that's a bit philosophical, but like, that's kind of my orientation. Like a person can be incredibly traumatized and they can inflict incredible trauma on other people. But like, if I'm telling you the story of breasts from the point of view of breasts, I want to tell it from the point of view of breasts, first of all. Because if you tell it from a different point of view, it's easy. And like I said, I'm not... Yes, of course. But if you tell it from his point of view, then the story becomes about finding the logic that Bress is following. Yeah. And the logic that Bress yeah. is following is that is the logic of the golden boy who believes his own bullshit. Everything he was always told, yeah. But everything he's been told as well, you've been brought up uh, telling, being told you're brilliant and you're beautiful and you're fantastic and you're great at everything. Sure. Okay, cool. I'm great at everything. And then everybody are. else is therefore worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he just follows that to its logical conclusion, which is, well, if I'm the best, then you're not the best. And therefore you are not yeah, as yeah. important as me. And therefore you don't matter. And I think that yeah. like, to me, you know, I know I, I like, to me, that is the root of evil deeds is the instrumentalization of other people. You know, Terry Pratchett has it in his Discworld books very beautifully. It's evil mm. begins when you start treating people as things. And I think that Bress does that. He absolutely instrumentalizes the other members of the Tour de Dame because he doesn't see them as people. He sees them as what they can do. And he doesn't yeah. value them as people. And so he instrumentalizes and exploits the people that he's supposed to be ruling. And that's, mm. is that evil? That's probably a bit evil. It's probably pretty fucking evil. It's, pretty, it's a bit evil. It's a bit evil. It's a bit evil. I mean, like it's, it's very ignorant. It's very complacent. Uh, the fact that he hands over, I mean, I liked how, how you kind of washed his hands of the taxes that he, he puts on the two of the Dan by kind of like just ig sheer ignorance, which I don't necessarily buy, but it, it's certainly kind of, he doesn't care enough about it to, to go near it. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's... A massive, like easily a sociopath, not actually a psychopath. Like, you know, he's he's definitely like, because he's, he's he clearly has very little empathy and he wants just to be lauded and applauded for being brilliant. And that's kind of what he has decided that life should be. And he deserves everything. And it's that kind of, uh, oh, well, obviously I'm, 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 it's justified that I get all of these things because I'm the best. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things like we, you know, as one of the big cognitive biases that really, really messes with the world is the just world hypothesis, that we are inclined to think that the world is a just place and a fair place. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if something bad happens to you, well, what did you do to deserve it? And if you have spent your whole life with a silver spoon in your mouth and everything has come a little bit easier to you than other people and you've still worked hard, you've still put in your time and you still paid your dues you are going to come out of that 
you are going to live your life thinking, well, I earned this. Yeah. And you are going to ignore the shit out of all of the advantages that were handed to you. Yeah, and that's absolutely. Not, that is not the sign of a bad person. Mm-mm. That is a sign of a person who is living an unexamined life. Yeah. Which is most yeah. of us. Which is most of us. Ah, like it, it's a, it's very hard to root all of, all of your biases because they're out all of them biases. Really. Yeah, exactly. They're ingrained. They're ingrained. Yeah, they're well, they're they're ingrained and they're and they're and they're blind spots and like it's hard to see a blind spot because it's a blind spot. Yeah, but, like, yeah. You know, we. I think there's there's something, and that's why I think, you know. Bress as an evil person is not very interesting, but I think Bress as somebody who is complacent and ignorant and unexamined to me is a much more interesting character and a much more real character. And so you have this kind of like, although, and it's it's a whole talking point, the idea of karma, um, you know, again, it, it, it can be really badly, you, you can feel like you, oh, you must, you, to this generation of people, well, they deserve an awful livelihood because whatever reason or the karma, the karmic resolution that is justified and unjust, as you say. But there is a, a form of a karmic resolve in this story, at least, because he's such a dickhead, he gets disposed. Like he kind of, you, you, you're as a listener, as an audience member, you are kind of satisfied yeah. that, the, that the, the right thing has happened in the story. He gets what's coming to him. Yeah, he gets what's coming to him. You know? He gets what's coming to because, and I think, you know, it's also, can we talk about satire a little bit? Oh please! Like it's it's the it's the whole reason it, it he gets the debunked and it's it's an amazing tool of and you know the poets of our generation are still trying to do it. You know they're making poets about you know whatever is going on concurrently in society and it's it's more slam poems now, but it used to be listen, not I, so much. No, hang on, this is all art. Though. I think this yeah. is all of the arts. I think all art that that kind of seeks to have some kind of political message is you know or can be viewed through the lens of satire because like satire today i think we are used to it being kind of like i don't know snarky comedians telling you the news but funny you know like there's a big satire news industry and there's a big satire kind of industry i think in the world today and I really think the interesting thing about satire in the Irish context as a political tool, um, you know, this is the first, this is the first, it is, it is a specific thing. A satire is a specific, almost legal recourse that Mm. like the powerful are not able to be held accountable without it. And it is a way of, removing their status so that they then come down to a level where they can be held accountable and like that's what's being done in this and like I don't know I think satire is fascinating I'd love to like it's a kind of a topic that I'd love to explore more in my own research because there are rules to Irish satire really yeah yeah you cannot go after someone's appearance ooh yeah, How that's interesting. How much modern satire have you come across that doesn't go after someone's appearance? It's, it's, it starts there, pretty much. It pretty much starts there. And it's like... Even if the gag isn't about it, the gag is a visual one about it because they're wearing a stupid wig or whatever. Yeah, you know, like... You're, you're like, there's so much of it. And like, I just... 
I remember that rule. That rule stuck in my head. I don't remember the other rules. I'll say that right now because I don't remember them. I know there are more. But that rule really stuck in my head because I was like, yeah, because actually it weakens your argument, doesn't it? Because yeah. people can't control how they look. But they can control and you, you, what they do. Yeah. And so actually, if you're going after somebody's looks, you are weakening your argument. You are you are making your satire less potent. Why? Sorry, I just got distracted by Googling rules of satire. I should have done this beforehand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't do it mid-recording podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anyone would like to see Aaron's research face, head on over to YouTube and subscribe. Sorry, that was very... Um... I mean, I, I'm not sure if we've actually hit the mark of like getting, um, you know, whatever number of followers that you can... Um, make the we, I think we might be we have a thousand people watching our YouTube videos now yay that's like the mark that means we, our videos will be pushed to more people and hopefully more people will see them and, and hear them and uh, like yeah them. I mean and yeah subscribe. like them and thumbs up and subscribe because it's kind of it, it's a funny way of, of, of yeah I mean like even 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 taking like the satirist as somebody right now who is usually you'd say they're basically comedians in the, in this day and age you know there are there are a number of uh slam posts that i've come across that are very art. yeah you know there's satirical painting there's, there's satirical newspaper cartoons there's satirical writing like there's a lot of there's a lot of places where there's but I do a think fantastic guy on, on instagram who do, who's from dublin and he just does these i must get his name i, I, I promise i will put him in the description below because uh, he just does these satirical takes the piss out of towns and areas and hits it to the like absolute point oh, it's it the wall. all hilarious and but i guess in in those contexts, it's making fun for the sake of making fun and and de-escalating snobbery and kind of it's coming at it as no, and yet a kind of the satire that's in this is very much a like a missile that is aimed that's, and fired. And that's kind of what I mean. I think the meaning of satire has expanded a lot. Yeah. Um. But in this context, satire is a very specific thing for a very specific job. And it's that you have this highest person in the land and you like, you can't sue the king because there's no instrument that makes him pay up if you win your case. There's no, there's no kind of mechanism for that. So the things that they had in Ireland was the satire and the hunger strike. Those were the two things that you could use. And the hunger strike was you stood outside the rich person's door and you stopped eating. And that is why they are... They, they have like those hunger strikes have recurred in Irish history as forms of protest and are very, very potent ones um, until yeah. justice is done, until they actually cop to what they've done to you and, and pay and, reparations. And I didn't know that that was actually in the kind of the, the culture, but like but when I heard about the, you know, the, 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 the fastings in, in up in Belfast and, and the, yeah, the, hunger strikes. the hunger strikes, rather. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's, like, that's why they did it that way. That's why yeah. the they picked the handing down of, of tradition is just like whoa that's a and thing the other thing that the other thing that was your mechanism for making the more powerful bow to the less powerful was a satire and a satire was a poem or a song composed that told what you'd done 
Yeah. And like, if you think about songs, if you think about how like a song can be so catchy and can get stuck in your head and you can be finding yourself humming it, like satires. Yeah, yeah, but again, it's like what what fascinates me about this is like, it's the turning point. It's the point where everyone was putting up his, with his bullshit for long enough, and you know, suddenly the person in power gets something that's you know, it goes viral, it, and it you know, there today people will do you know awful, terrible stuff and get away with blah 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 to the point where someone catches them on camera doing something kind of not cool or saying something not funny or or hashtagging the wrong thing or and then suddenly backlash and they get cancelled right so you've cancelled society now because if you step out of line you, you get kind of cancelled because everything is we're in the information era right we're like we're, everything is just so easily shareable before that was the case you needed something to spread the news to actually make it accessible to people to understand well, and was, the use of satire was, is brilliant that was the mass media of that era yeah was the the poets and the songs the poems and the songs of poets and, and bards and mm. so like we're in a different era of mass media now our, our media is different and so our the ways that it works is different and obviously it's faster um but this is yeah this is maybe speaking the earliest example of cancel culture uh again nothing under faster the sun, well hang on nothing under the sun is new and so if we want to if we want to link it to cancel culture Brett got his ass cancelled and he deserved it and uh, like that was justified it was absolutely, absolutely. funny outcome even though like you know he dicked over the dog day he dicked over gold and he was still on anything until finally he fucked up with his satire they still managed to kind of go right. We don't. We want you out of here, Bress, You bollocks of a king. We're going to replace you with our old king now that he's got a new arm because that's grand. He's basically whole. Uh, you, you're going to go now. And then he goes, yeah, no bother. You know, he must have been a master negotiator. Like this guy was fucking on on point because he like goes, yeah. yeah, yeah, no worries. Look, just give me. I just need to do get a few ducks in in order and in line. I need to do a few things. Just give me seven. Seven years, seven years, good for you. Seven, I mean, like, is there any, like, I, I've, I have a theory. This is the reason why not can get fucking done in any time at all in this country. <laughs> you need seven years to think about everything. I think it'd be great if we actually built that in because then I think we would get it done in seven years rather than, like, ever. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, but I also think, like, at this point, the two of did Dan and want to go with the Comoros. Like, mm. I don't think this is breast being like, okay, you, because they're not, they're not in a position of strength. They've been bled by the Fomorians for years. Right. They are weak. They do not have resources. They do not have the population. They do not have the armies. They do not have the training. And like war is expensive. And I think this is a really interesting thing that happens pretty much in all of it because it happens in the Sons of Mill as well where like they there's a meeting and there's a like, right. And it happens in, in the first Battle of Moitura too because they have the weapon exchange where they have sure. this like, very cordial like okay we're going to have a war we're going to have this long to prepare and these are the things that we're going to do and like it's quite civil these kind of pre-war negotiations but i think the seven years also shows you how completely beaten down the two of the Danon are after right. the kingship because like we don't know who proposes the seven years but we know that both sides agree to it and like okay. at this point brest doesn't have any allies as far as i remember I told this story. How did I put it? I yeah, no, he went to he went to his father and his father told him fuck off. Yeah, um, yeah. So like he's he's not in a great position and the two dead on are in a really bad position. Yeah. So and like it boggles my mind is delay. 
it boggles my mind that there's this like they give they give away a third of their children like to the Formorians to to as a as a way of peaceful and go and again like geographically I don't quite understand how it the the Formorians managed to be this giant kind of opposition when they came from an island the size of like you know the teeny tiny island we with it. I know, the yeah. The name means the people of under the sea. Yeah. They don't just live on Tory Island. They live in Tory Island, around Tory Island, yeah, under yeah. Tory Island. They are like, this is the thing about the Fomorians is that they are these kind of protean, shape-shifting um, people. And like, Absolutely. I, it, it really bums me out that they get cast as like, anytime you see a, a sort of a modern retelling of Irish mythology, they're just the monsters. They're just yeah. the bad guys, which, which always... Kind of bums me out a bit. Um, it does, and again, again it, it makes it black and white when when things are things are grey, you know. And like you have you have the father of Bress who comes at the very start with the best line ever, and he's the one who says, "If you lost that justly, you shouldn't get it back unjustly or you know unjustly." unjustly. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, but he was a bollocks too because he was one of the Fomorians who was putting the taxes in the toilet. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, look, you know, they were the opportunist, opportunist. He was an opportunist, but he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't a total brick. He wasn't um, a total he brick. Was definitely an opportunist. Yeah. Oh my god! And you see the most beautiful woman in the world, and you you come up with the line, and then your 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 long lost kid who you still haven't met becomes king of Ireland. You go, okay, gives a go them taxes, and he goes, yeah, fuck it, I don't care, and you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, brilliant. I so it sets us up. It's got an interesting, yeah, it, it sets us up. I, I think it is an interesting uh, little moment about the, you know, Irish people's relationship with taxes, because of course we know during the, the period of Ireland's colonialism, there was a, there were taxes on, on there was a window tax. Uh, if you, so if there was basically so many taxes on Irish people, particularly Irish uh, tenants in the countryside, that any improvement you made to your house uh, was was caused an increase in tax and in rent, and so it was a wonderful incentive for people to live in complete fucking squalor. Yeah. Um, which then, of course, reinforced this idea that Irish people were savages and beasts because we were living in absolute fucking squalor and we wouldn't even put a window on our houses because we couldn't afford to. Because even if yeah. we could afford to, we wouldn't be able to afford to pretty quickly. And there's so a there's, there's a myth. Kind of like tax taxes a, are such a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, the window tax always cracks me up. Like there's a there's a couple of stories in in the, the Georgian architecture in Dublin of like a lot of sealed up windows that are like ah that was because the tax in, the the tax on the windows, um you know, um yeah, um, but, yes, but it sets us up, it uh, set us up. for uh you know finding out more about the Fuimura next mm-hmm. uh, episode. We'll be listening to Balohar of the slightly not great eye or the Definitely uh maybe not great oh yeah yeah no it's an evil light um <laughs> and then we'll be yeah it's it's all rampant like it's for straight away i love it we're like ramping into second battle like preparations are already laid we just got out of the first battle of moitura and we know we're we're ramping up for the for the second it's so gonna, um it's gonna be a while now because we're on our once a week schedule but yeah no we're gonna be we're gonna be getting to the second battle of moitura we're gonna have uh this episode, we're going to have a Balor episode, and then we're going to go on to Lou, and then we are going to get into the second battle of Moitura. 
Well, listen, lads, thanks very much for listening. Uh, thanks for supporting this podcast by either your YouTube support. Click on the link below and uh, or click on the thing below if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe with the bell icon. Uh, also, if you uh, like Patreon support, you know, hey, patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. That's how we do. Uh, other than that, stay safe, stay sexy, stay, you know, in pride, just be proud of yourself. Uh, you lovable little rogue yeah and uh yeah have a great have a great time and uh use the chat up line it's a great day for love making absolutely <laughs> and we'll take the answer together yeah right that's us awesome. next time <laughs>